You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and of course, always, thanks for joining us. It is time for WDET Spring Fundraiser, and as we have been doing recently, we will stop the fundraising when we hit our goal of $275,000. So if you go to WDET.org and help us out, renew your membership, or join for the first time, we'll stop the fundraising when we hit that magic number of $275,000. Think of the programming that you count on here at WDET. Think of the interruption that you experience during fundraising. We can end those interruptions if you help us out at WDET.org. All right. Uh, An expansive wall along the border with Mexico, a plan to dramatically improve infrastructure throughout the country. Numerous proposals to cut taxes. Can President Trump and Republicans in Congress actually pay for all those things? And can they do them while they also reduce the deficit, which is something that the party has always said is part of its list of priorities? Joining me now to talk about GOP priorities and policymaking over the next few years is Jeffrey Dorfman, a professor of agriculture and applied economics at the University of Georgia. Jeffrey, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks. Glad to be with you. This Absolutely. Uh, and uh, give us a call if you want to talk about this subject. Uh, t- talk about the balance between spending and policy outcome. We have had uh, eight years of pretty heated debate about government spending. Uh, President Obama took office and increased government spending quite a bit uh, to try to get us out of the deep, deep, deep recession that was going on when he was elected. Uh, Since then, he's sort of pared that back. The deficit has gone down. But Republicans have run consistently against the idea that there is a deficit at all, saying that we ought to balance our books and that we can do that and deliver all the services that matter. Where do you see that balance being struck? Where do you want to see that balance struck? Would you like to see more programming out of uh, Washington? Do you want to build the border wall with Mexico? Do you want to uh, dramatically improve infrastructure, spend maybe a trillion dollars on infrastructure in this country, something that's badly needed? And if you want to do that, then how concerned are you about spending more money than we take in in tax revenue? What is the role that the deficit plays in our economy in your mind? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will try to work your comments into the conversation. Talk to us about the things that you hear from Washington about deficit spending versus programming, and what that makes what what, what parts of that make sense to you or or do not. Uh, Jeffrey Dorfman, I'm going to start with you, of course. Uh, talk about this this uh, this dialogue that we have been having, not just over the last eight years, but but for a very long time in this country, about the role of deficit spending in uh, keeping government, uh, you know, flush with cash to do the things that it needs to do, but also in the economy. Uh, Also then talk about what the Republicans say they want to do now uh, that they have control of the White House and Congress. They say that we've got to get rid of this deficit. Who's who's right here? Uh, Probably nobody. Um, (laughs) The Republicans have said they want to bring the deficit down. They've said they want to bring tax revenue down. 
They've said they want to bring spending down on some things, but they seem intent on increasing spending on other things like defense or infrastructure by an equal amount. So it's hard to find anybody with a credible plan to reduce spending. Therefore, since some people want to reduce taxes, it seems hard to figure out how the deficit would go down. Yeah. Uh, of course, the deficit has been going down for seven or uh, six or seven years under the Obama administration. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Well, he shouldn't. Uh, why not? Because the only reason the deficit looks like it's going down is because of how enormously he inflated the deficit with his stimulus spending. The Obama stimulus package, this is an amazing stat, Mm -hmm. was larger than the sum total of every stimulus package in every recession in United States history, even if you adjust all the previous ones for inflation. So it's not a question of, well, that was a long time ago and the dollar was worth more. If you adjust for inflation, we spent, in fact, more than twice as much on the last recession in stimulus than in all previous ones added together. Right. So we got an enormous trillion-dollar deficit for two or three years. Sure, five or six hundred billion looks good compared to that. <laughs> but if it wasn't for that, these would be record high deficits. Right. And and uh, are you arguing though that uh, that that stimulus spending was unwise? Yes, it was. It was terrible. It did. It made the recession shorter and shallower, but made the recovery longer and weaker and was mostly wasted because it wasn't on infrastructure, as, as you mentioned in the intro. We have the latest infrastructure report card for the nation says we're getting a D. Our bridges are crumbling. If we had spent that $800 billion stimulus on bridges and roads and schools and airports, it probably would have been worth it. Yeah. But we didn't. We spent it paying teachers' salaries and state employee salaries and things that were gone as soon as we finished spending it. And and if you had if you had spent that on uh, infrastructure instead of those things, your argument is that the economy would have rec- would have recovered faster and stronger. Um, the rec- the economy would have recovered faster and stronger. Yes, be- for a funny reason. And also, we'd at least have infrastructure to show for it. Right. We'd get to use that for the next 30 or 50 years. But yeah, the, the problem with the stimulus package was, it kept, for example, by bailing out the auto industry, we kept resources invested in a slow-growing sector of the economy. Mm-hmm. By bailing out the banks, same thing. If the government stayed out of the way, the money would have shifted into things that were growing faster, and we would have had a better recovery. Yeah, uh, I mean that's an interesting. It's an interesting argument. It's one I've heard before. I think the problem, and you know, I say this is somebody sitting in the city of Detroit in the state of Michigan. If you had not bailed out the auto industry, for instance, uh, wouldn't you have caused a much deeper depression? Uh, what sector would have grown fast enough to employ all the people who would have lost their jobs if we had simply, as Mitt Romney suggested, uh, let Detroit go bankrupt? Sure. Well, remember, Detroit went bankrupt anyway. Obama just sort of prepackaged a bankruptcy sure. for, for Chrysler and GM, and mostly in a way that rewarded the United Auto Workers with $10 billion. But 
Americans are buying the same number of cars whether Detroit gets bailed out or not. So somebody's going to make them. If we hadn't bailed out the auto companies, then a foreign auto company or some rich investor in the U.S. would have bought up the correct number of auto plants and kept the correct number of people employed. The, the government can't change things in the long run. So what the government did was, and, and this is where you're right, the, the recession would have been steeper, unemployment would have gone higher if the government had done nothing right. for a little bit of time, but not in the long run. I, see, I mean, I guess that, that's a faith in the market. Uh, that I think uh, a lot of people who who depend on uh, the auto industry for work, for instance, I think didn't have, and we certainly didn't have in Detroit that that uh, the idea that if we let GM and Chrysler go, that something would replace that in a way that would provide for the kind of employment uh, that that we that we need to to, to keep the economy going uh, anyway. But sure, but. I mean, yeah, every steel company in the U.S. has been through bankruptcy. We still have steel companies. The airlines all went through bankruptcy. We still have airlines. We would still have auto companies. Somebody different would own them. Yeah. It might have a different name. But we're going to make the number of cars that Americans want to buy. Yeah. Well, at the, I mean, there's no question that the cars would get made and sold. Uh, the question would be how who would be... You know who would be employed uh, doing that? Uh, this is Detroit today uh, on 1019 WDET. Uh, my guest is Jeffrey Dorfman. He's a professor of agriculture and applied economics at the University of Georgia. We're talking about deficit spending versus government programming. What is the balance that we need to strike between those two things? Republicans say the deficit's got to go; that it's out of control, uh, and that they can get it uh, to to match up with revenues, but at the same time, they're talking about all kinds of new programs that will cost money, a border wall along uh, the border with Mexico, dramatically improving the nation's infrastructure. And at the same time, they're still talking about cutting taxes, which uh, in many cases would result in less revenue than we have now. Uh, can all of these things happen and you get rid of the deficit. Uh, give us a call. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. Talk about what you think the priorities ought to look like in Washington over the next four or eight years. Should they concentrate on getting the deficit down? Should they concentrate on doing some of the things that uh, need to be done in terms of infrastructure in this country? Uh, great many pro, uh, projects that are underfunded or not funded at all. Uh, that need to be. Uh, where do you see the balance lying between those two things? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will uh, work your comments into the conversation. Greg and Frazier, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just uh, wanted to uh, ask Whenever they talk about um, cutting taxes, the Republicans, uh, I mean, whenever the Democrats want to spend money on education, infrastructure, they always ask, how are you going to pay for it? But no one ever asks the Republicans, how are you going to pay for these tax cuts? If we're running a deficit right now, then you're going to cut millions and billions of dollars for all these tax cuts, and then you're going to increase spending. There's no way. uh, Where is all this extra revenue going to come for this increase? I agree that they should spend money on 
um, infrastructure, uh, greatly increase it. I, I, I agree with the, the infrastructure spending, but I don't increase, uh, agree with all the defi- uh, all the uh, spending toward the Defense Department. Um, I, I believe that's a, the, the last place we need to increase the spending for defense. We need to increase it for education and, and uh, uh, infrastructure. Um, and uh, I just think someone needs to ask Republicans, how are you going to pay for those tax cuts? Yeah, sure. Where is the money going to come from? Sure. Uh, um, thank you very much. Greg, uh, very uh, very good question. Thanks for calling and asking. Uh, Jeffrey Dorfman, uh, typically what Republicans say is that growth takes care of the cost of tax cuts, that uh, this, this theory that uh, as you cut taxes, you help stimulate uh, economic activity that results actually in more tax revenue uh, coming in because uh, people are buying and selling more and more people are employed. Uh, Greg says that's not uh, – Greg says he doesn't believe that. Uh, who's right here? Uh, well, they're actually both right. Um, cutting taxes does increase economic growth. So the economy grows faster, we get more jobs. But it doesn't increase it enough generally to pay tax cuts. And so if Republicans cut taxes, the most likely thing we will see is economic growth will be faster, but the deficit will get bigger. And perhaps in the very long run, you know, 10, 15 years from now, that extra growth will have added up to enough that revenue will rise compared to if they hadn't done it. But in the short run, deficits are almost certain to go up if we cut taxes. And and again, the the argument though is that that as you as you point out that in the long run this this balances out. We never seem to get to that that long run space though because um, well because spending always grows along with uh, with 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 the tax cuts. I mean, no party uh, seems to credibly make the argument that they will actually reduce spending in a way that would, that would match these kind of revenue cuts. Exactly right. Uh, an interesting exercise, I find. I took President Bill Clinton's final budget, adjusted that spending for inflation and population growth. Uh-huh. And when you compare that to what we're spending today, we're spending $1.1 trillion more than if we had had President Clinton's last budget adjusted for inflation and population growth. So, and, and that increase in spending was both President Bush and President Obama. So it's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. Both parties want to increase spending on the things they like. And so no matter who's in charge, spending goes up. Right, right. Uh, let's go to Michael in Chesterfield. Michael, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much, um, yeah, Stephen and guests. Um, four presidents cut taxes. Coolidge, JFK. Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush, and revenues to the government went up. Even during the debate, uh, Charles Gibson asked in candidate Obama, why do you want to raise capital gains taxes? When Reagan raised them, revenue dropped. When Bush and Clinton dropped capital gains tax rates, revenue went up. Now, both of you guys are right. The problem is, no matter how much revenue the government could create, if we spend more than we create in revenue, then it's a wash. So we have a spending problem, and what we have to do is try to get the deficit uh, study at a percentage of GDP. I think Milton Friedman said keep the deficit somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 10% or less of GDP, and then you'll have great problems. But if you're just trying to get rid of a deficit, 
you'll always pay off a deficit in taxes and inflation anyway. Uh, Michael, that's a that's a really interesting interesting way to, to, to look at all of this. Thanks very much for the call. Uh, Jeffrey Dorfman, let's start with his first statement that uh, four presidents have cut taxes and seen revenues grow. Is that is is that right? Well, one, it is right in the longer run, and two, it was right in the shorter run for Kennedy and Reagan, but that's because tax rates were so much higher they were then. high, sure. When taxes are at 70% and you cut them, it's much easier for the growth generated to replace that lost revenue, but now we're at much lower tax rates, and so it's much less clear that additional rate cuts from here get us anywhere near the extra growth to make up for the initial lost revenue. Yeah. So just because it worked in the past doesn't mean it always works now and forever. I mean, would a tax cut right now make a lot of sense, given the, given the deficit that we have, given the state of economic growth in the country, given the profound needs that we have, not just with infrastructure, but also with things like education, uh, social services, the, 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 the things that uh, you need to invest in, in, in people, right. uh, w- would a tax cut make any sense? Well, I think maybe we lost Jeffrey there. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I want to thank Jeffrey Dorfman, Professor of Agriculture and Applied Economics at the University of Georgia, for joining us here on Detroit Today. When we come back, we're going to talk with David K. Johnston, an economic specialist, journalist, and author about the same subject. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining in. We are talking about the deficit, GOP spending and leadership and the deficit. The Republicans say they want to reduce the deficit that we have in federal spending, but they also have a long list of projects that they want to affect that will actually increase Spending the expansive wall along the border with Mexico, dramatically improving the nation's infrastructure, and they, of course, want to cut taxes. Does that make sense for a party that says that the deficit is one of the main problems we have with government? Joining me now to talk more about this is David K. Johnston. He's an economic specialist, journalist, and author. Uh, He was also a Detroit Free Press investigative reporter covering the state capitol in Lansing in the 1970s. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, I'll start with just your general sense of what the GOP is talking about here, Uh, the idea of reducing the deficit. They ran uh, against the idea that uh, we had a huge uh, deficit running here. Uh, They say they want to get rid of it, but they also have this long list of projects that they want to to pursue. Uh, Is it possible to do all of these things at once? No. Um, But, you know, magical thinking uh, is something politicians in America and both parties are very good at. 
Uh, let me start off with something from your previous guest uh-huh. uh, and a caller, which are not correct. Every year I do extensive detailed analysis of the official economic data. Tax revenues under George Bush fell. All you have to do is adjust them for inflation. I have written numerous pieces showing that the George Bush tax cuts resulted not in more revenue. After the capital gains cut of 2003, the second of the two cuts, there was a brief surge in revenue, but it was uh, very brief. And uh, uh, government revenue went up after, under Bill Clinton, Congress, by uh, one vote, raised general tax rates. Um, uh, Revenue has been going up since 2013 when the 12 years of Bush tax cuts for the top 1% ended. And it's important people not listen to this nonsense perpetuated by particularly right-wing radio that the tax cuts led to more revenue. You have to adjust for inflation to have real terms, and that's not so. Now, now, How before before we before yeah. we get too far afield from that, yeah. is it true that the that revenues didn't go up under George W. Bush because at the end, from you know '06 on, really, uh, you had this tremendous depression that that uh, cost jobs and and crashed they, the economy. They, yeah, go but ahead. they weren't going they weren't going up before then. They fell sharply. And I've every year documented this. I've written a series of best-selling books that go uh, into this stuff. By the way, one other thing happened. George Bush, in I was at the New York Times in 2000. In uh-huh. October of that year, I called the Bush campaign and said, you say your tax cuts will make us all better off. Looks like we're going into a recession. You sure you don't want to hedge your bets? No ifs, ands, or buts, I was told, with a demand for the number of my editors they could complain. Everybody would be better off. So I tracked the income of Americans adjusted for inflation and population through 2012. And Americans made $7.8 trillion less money than if we had stayed at the level of 2000. Uh, That's as if during that period of 12 years, everybody one year worked for nine months for no pay. And how much money is $7.8 trillion? Well, if it was divided evenly, Every family in America could pay the income taxes on it. The Social Security and Medicare taxes have paid off every car loan, every student loan, every credit car loan, and every family would have over $20,000 in the bank. The Bush tax cuts were a disaster. They're continuing to affect us. Now, that brings us to what's going on now. We have an economy that's becoming increasingly inefficient because we are not investing in commonwealth goods like roads. Uh, like bridges, like dams. And the failure to invest in the commonwealth goods that allow private wealth creation is damaging our economy, holding us back. When I go to China, and I've been there a number of times, one of the things that's most striking is they have the most fantastic highways. They are building these terrific sewer systems. They are investing for the long-run future, whereas our country's falling apart, and it's been falling apart for 50 years. And if we don't invest in infrastructure, we will be worse and worse off. I actually had a congressman once tell me we can't afford to fix up our roads. They said, well, how do you think you're going to get oranges from California and Texas to Detroit and Rochester, where I live, and he said, well, I don't know, but we can't afford to fix these roads. There isn't enough money. Well, and, and that's always the, the, the tension is, uh, particularly in the Republican Party, there is this drive uh, 
that that intensifies over time uh, to to resist the idea of taxes or tax increases. Uh, at the same time, uh, we we have these tremendous needs that that the government needs to be able to to, to fulfill. Roads being, uh, I think, at the top of that list. The rest of our infrastructure probably right behind it. You think of the bridges and dams that are in in bad shape uh, here in the state of Michigan. The fact that we do need to rebuild uh, the, the the Sioux locks uh, create some redundancies there. Uh, the, the, these things cost money, and and the idea of a perpetual uh, policy imperative of tax cutting. Uh, it, it, it's at odds with with those things, uh, and and we see that over and over again in election cycles uh, with with Republican candidates. And I, what I fear is that we're what we're seeing now is sort of the same thing, except that they're now promising, well, we're going to do those things, but we're still going to cut taxes. We're still going to try to sort of play this deficit hawk uh, right. line because uh, their survey data, Stephen, shows that. Attacking the IRS and proposing tax cuts is the single best way to get votes. I happen to be right now in Palm Beach, Florida, where Mar-a-Lago is. And I was touring yesterday and seeing these incredible mansions, some of which sold for well over $100 million. There's a harbor uh, full of 100-foot-long boats. And, you know, if you look up the IRS data by zip code, Nobody in Palm Beach could afford to buy a shack here. Right. The real scandal is that we have allowed our tax system to be changed through so many rules that, it, and this was the title of one of my best-selling books, Perfectly Legal, it is perfectly legal for very wealthy people to pay little or no income tax. The dollars might be pretty big, but if your income is a billion dollars a year and the tax you're paying is $50 million, right. that's a 5% tax rate. Sure. Of the 400 largest tax returns in this country, we've had people with almost million-dollar-a-day incomes, the government does a report on this every year that I write about, who sometimes pay no tax. Many of them pay less than 10%. The average is lower than the tax rate paid by a lot of simply prosperous Americans. And we have created these mechanisms that allow very wealthy people to borrow against their assets. They don't pay taxes. They put money offshore. Uh, We passed a law in 1998 that stopped the IRS from investigating where it seems pretty obvious something is amiss. Somebody's tax return says $30,000 income, and you drive by, and they live in a mansion and have $300,000 of automobiles sitting in the driveway. On the basis of that, an IRS agent may not, may not invest investigate. Uh, And we've cut the number of auditors radically. We've cut way way down on audits of people's top. So wage earners, hey, you're getting fully taxed, folks. It comes out of your paycheck before you get the money. But at the top, we have people like Donald Trump who brags he doesn't pay taxes. And the last year that we know Donald Trump paid taxes, and I'm the author of the number one worldwide selling book on Donald Trump, the making of Donald Trump. Uh, The last year that we know Donald paid taxes, was 1977. Yeah, a long time ago. Uh, this is Detroit yeah. Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is David K. Johnston, economic specialist, journalist, and author. We're talking about the tension between deficits and government spending. 
the GOP, which now controls the White House as well as Congress, says they want to get rid of the federal deficit, but they also have a long list of things that they say they want to spend money on. Big ticket things like a wall along the border with Mexico or an infrastructure plan here in the United States. Which is more important? Can they do both, A, uh, or if they have to choose, which would you choose? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to John on the east side. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Uh-huh. So uh, I just want to challenge most everything your first guest said. Uh, you know, I-, I followed the auto bankruptcy pretty close my dad worked at chrysler for 40 years and i've nobody was going to buy up the auto companies they were just going to profit on disassembling them and selling them off piecemeal and and the second thing who was going to buy all these cars people that work at walmart yeah i mean i think the whole idea you know you know the whole business plan for things like Walmart and others are to to not pay. The, I mean, they don't pay any taxes. They they pay no income taxes. Now take a look at the General Motors people or the Chrysler. They pay income taxes, and not only that, they get profit sharing checks that go into the economy and everything else. I think the real issue was the bank bailout. If we would have just taken all the money we gave to the banks that then got their money for free for the last and you know until the ta- until the uh rate increase last year all that money would have been out in the economy but it's not it's just yeah. it's it, it's uh, just total ludicrous John John thanks very much for the call and the and the comments uh, David K Johnston we've got about uh, 2 minutes left talk though about this this tension that 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 John brings up uh between the idea of saving jobs uh and then Saving banks, for instance. Uh, well, we did both, we, we, uh, but yeah. but which one made the more sense? Well, we we uh, we should have allowed the ordered undoing of the too big to fail banks, which are now bigger as a share of the economy and bigger as a share of banking than they used to be. And we should have prosecuted the corrupt bankers. Remember, in the savings and loan scandal, eight hundred plus high level bank executives went to prison. Not one went to prison in the 175 times bigger meltdown in 2008. Um, uh, we need to, we have a tax system right now that rewards certain kinds of companies and damages others. And manufacturing is heavily damaged by our current tax policy. Uh, we need to reform that and we need to work on rebuilding our economy. And what we're doing instead is passing law after law after law that almost get no coverage that take from the many and give to the few. Now, I have a nonprofit, non-advertising website that we've created with donor money called dcreport.org. It's a play on Washington, D.C., and mm-hmm. my name, David K., C-A-Y, mm-hmm. dcreport.org. And what we do there is we tell you what the government is doing. We tell you what the president and Congress do, not what they say, and we document things like there's a plan afoot now to give away federal land that's going to cost you money and hurt you as a taxpayer if it isn't done right. Uh, there, are, there are all sorts of other policies that we describe, and it's important to understand how we spend our money is as important as how we raise it. And we, as long as the public doesn't actively understand how these things are done, and they say, oh, well, it's politics, I don't want to get involved in it, 
the very wealthiest political donors in America are going to continue to rig the system to make you worse off and them better off. Yeah. Uh, David K. Johnston, economic specialist, journalist, and author. As always, thanks for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Absolutely. That's going to do it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Meanwhile, go to WDET.org and help us out with our spring fundraiser. As soon as we hit that magic number of $275,000, we will stop raising money. We will stop interrupting programs like Detroit Today to ask for your support. So go and renew your support, or if you haven't uh, given us before, become a new member. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. See you tomorrow.